Welcome to the Ask Philip podcast. Today, Philip talks about the old versus new investment portfolio. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. And now... Here's Philip. How's it going? It is October 22nd, 2021. I forgot to announce all week because people have been asking me about uh, the upcoming fight that I had in the past tense on Saturday, but it got moved again. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm just done. You know, I'm just going to keep working out. Maybe I'll revisit this in the summertime. I don't, I don't have a ton of time. I can't ded- I can't have an infinite training camp. That's just not super reasonable. So I've been enjoying my peach cobbler and ice cream a couple nights this week, and you know, still been able to maintain weight, but I've been putting in extra work. But let's let's get into the episode. So, one of the things, if you've ever met with a wealth manager or financial advisor or financial planner, that I'm sure that you probably have been super stressed out about is the massive amount of money you have to save to reach your investment goals, right? Now, sometimes it's because, you know, you you might have started late. Um, if, if you start early, uh, that becomes less of a um, less of an issue. But the the amount of money that people have to save to get on track to be financially independent uh, for the, you know, for the average person is just astronomical. Even if they start in their, you know, 30s, you know, our 40s, simply because the amount of money um, that it takes an investor to to save to reach their goal gets more expensive every single year because of what we call inflation or the cost of living, right? Let me, let me kind of break that down. If you wanted to have, you know, a lifestyle that would replace, let's call it a hundred grand a year of income, today you would need about Two $2 million, right? Well, you know what? Let me do it differently. Let's say you, let's say 24 years ago, right? You wanted to replace a hundred grand of income, right? That, that number would have been $2 million um, to replace a hundred grand of income. And if you fast forward today, right, to, to replace uh, or to live the, the equivalent lifestyle of a hundred grand a year, you would need two hundred thousand because at a at a cost of living rate that averaged about three percent a year, right? That means um, the cost of living doubles every twenty four years, right? And so, in order to make in order to buy the same stuff that you can buy with a hundred grand twenty four years ago, you would need two hundred thousand, which means you would need four million dollars today, right? So, so you may have started with a plan that said, "Hey, if I need two million, but that number would have had to grown to two to four million dollars today to still maintain that uh, same standard of living. Now, it it was less difficult twenty four years ago to do that because at that same time you had, you know, you had bonds which are the safe part of the portfolio that were paying like, you know, six or seven percent. Which all that means in non nerd terms is you could live on three percent of the portfolio or four percent of the portfolio and reinvest you know, reinvest the rest in the portfolio and 
had the portfolio grow above inflation, right? So just 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 for the people who don't like math, sit with me for a second. Like if, you know, when you're living off money, some of the money you're living off of is interest, but you can reinvest some of that portfolio so that it grows to keep pace with them with with the cost of living. So in this example, let's say uh, the total amount of your uh, of your portfolio, bonds and stocks, because t- stocks typically earn more than bonds, was earning eight, right? At two million, right? You can live off five, which is a hundred grand a year. You can reinvest the the three percent, right? Eight minus five equals three, and then that would have over twenty four years, right? Double, right? Because three percent is the same as the cost of living rate. I know, I know that was math, but that's the example. The big problem comes today where bonds are like not paying that amount and you know when when us financial nerds project out what you need to earn in your portfolio to reach your goals right one of the inputs are you know what do we expect this asset class to grow by over the next decade uh, and then what are uh, what are the cost of living uh, what's the inflation rate right for the next 10 years and so today the big the big problem is, the stated inflation rate by the government is not 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 actually the real number, right? Because they they subtract out so much stuff that it just it doesn't weight appropriately for for every Ameri- for every American. I, without going super nerd on that, just just know that like most experts uh, who are who understand economics are projecting uh, the cost of living growth rate to be somewhere around. 10 to 15 percent a year over the next decade so so you know w- what does that mean well that means that at 10 to 15 percent a year your cost of living doubles every five to seven years right so that means the number that you need to be financially independent doubles every five to ten years so that means your investments need to work a lot harder than what they did over the last 24 years just to keep pace with them you know with the cost of living and I and I just mentioned that bonds are paying less, right? So that part of your portfolio is less. And if bonds are paying less, then then you could expect, you know, the stocks of those companies to pay less, right? Stocks of the economies to pay less, um, all things being equal. So returns in general are lower across the board globally, stocks and bonds. And so then that creates a problem, right? Because you you have, uh, and, and let me backtrack. Why is the cost of living uh, increasing so much? Because of government money printing, right? When when you look at what inflation is, it's the government printing more money in the economy. So, you know, at the lower rate, at the historic rate, three percent, that's that's beatable. But when they're printing at a rate of ten to fifteen percent a year, uh, you know, it gets it gets real hard to to beat that rate. And, to, and the people are like, well, why are they printing so much money? Because they're spending too much money, right? In order to pay for the spending, they have to print more money to buy the uh, government debt they have to issue to pay for, for printing. And, and you have people that used to buy the government debt not buying anymore because they're like, this is worthless, right? And so so, so, so you have this, this situation where it's just, it creates a huge problem for people that are planning for, for retirement. So the, so the typical typical portfolio right a typical a typical 100% stock portfolio earn 8 to 10% a year right so going back to what i was saying if inflation is 10% a year that means the the typical stock portfolio just breaks even when you have bonds it brings you under that number which means your cost of living is not going to keep pace with 
with your, your portfolio won't keep pace with the cost of living. And so, 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 you know, how do you solve that problem? Well, you have to rethink your asset mix strategy because here's the other part about investing that people who've read our book or listen to podcasts know that over 90% of your return comes from like what your asset mix is. You now have to look at assets that are very volatile and add them to your portfolio to increase the uh, the expected return of the portfolio. So, so one of the one of the big biggest returns of investors, you know, over the last 40, 50 years have been innovation, right? Venture venture capital or companies that are uh, that are changing the way business is done, uh, and those have provided great returns, but they're very volatile because whenever you're investing in change. Right, change is volatile, and then when you invest in change in a highly levered system, it gets even it gets even more volatile. But adding innovation to the portfolio is, you know, used to be kind of a luxury of um, the rich who had lots of assets. Now, regular investors have to invest in innovation, and you don't have to invest in uh, venture capital. But there's there's companies in the stock market like the ones I talk about, the Shopify's, the Squares the Teslas, right? And there's ETFs that you can buy that invest, in, that invest in innovation that can help you buy those companies. You also have uh, ETFs that uh, are investing in companies around the uh, blockchain and crypto because that's in- innovation uh, as well. Um, the other the other thing you're gonna, you, investors are going to want to consider adding, and this is why I talk about it so much, is Bitcoin, right? When you look at past histories, because this is not, like I'm not, coming to my conclusion out of thin air or based on a guess is, is when you look at history and you see similar economic period of times where there's slow global growth, uh, lots of debt, lots of money printing, then what, what does well in that environment are scarce assets and innovative innovation investments. And so this is just the same playbook. You can back test it, look at different periods of time, right? You look at the 70s, what did well in the 70s, right? Gold and innovative companies, right? Same in the 40s. And so we're in a similar environment for the next decade. You know, I think the biggest problem between now and then is um, is there's a lot, you know, there was a lot of money printing then because you had the war in the 40s and then you had the de-link from gold in the 70s. So this is this is really similar, except this happening like globally, right? And so, um, and I guess those happen globally too. So, so is is it actually is like super similar? Um, just the numbers are bigger, right? Because there's more debt, more dollars, um, and everything. And so, building a portfolio. So, so when you look at when I look at most portfolios, most portfolios are most investors have 100 percent of their money in index funds or target date funds, which don't include innovation investments or Bitcoin at the current moment. And so you uh, and so what what I've done with clients, we've inserted those into uh, into our models for the portfolios um, to add that extra layer of expected uh, return to the portfolios. But again, the, the the downside to this strategy is it does this, right? It goes up and down a bit more. And so you you have to be have faith in the future, patience and discipline because um, you earn the extra expected return by dealing with the volatility, right? It's the same thing that I used to tell investors who were, as bond yields were lowering, and I would tell clients how you have to own more stocks to, to keep pace with the cost of living and still do what you need to do because bond rates were lowering, right? Now it's, okay, now we got to add innovation, right, and Bitcoin 
to do something returns. And, and I've done like I, I've, you know, I'll show examples of portfolios that add innovation, you know, and Bitcoin to the portfolio over the last five years, which have been a period of same periods we're in now, low, you know, low global growth, high money printing, right? It's just the next, and, and those are those, the difference in like a traditional portfolio and the portfolio I show them is pretty significant, like noticeably significant. And past performance doesn't equal future performance, but what you can, what you can do and what you can assume reasonably is if we have the same similar economic uh, situations uh, over the next 10 years as we had over the last five years, then you can expect the same thing, which, which I, I feel we do. And I, and I also feel like the money printing uh, gets worse, which makes uh, innovation and um, Bitcoin uh, look um, a whole lot better. And so the, these are no longer, I believe, nice-to-haves in the portfolios. Um, they are have-to-haves if you want to maintain the standard of living that you currently uh, are, are living you know, for your, financially, for your financial uh, independence goals. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, that's, that, that is the point, right? You, you get, getting comfortable with change is super important. Again, I, t- I talked in my previous two episodes about investors in the UK in the 1900s looking at America and saying it's too volatile, and then they watched their purchasing power decrease significantly relative to Americans and got poorer in the world relative to Americans, right? We, you know, it, it, it's, we can feel what's happening, right? There's pockets of the, of the people in the U.S. that have felt the cost of living go up more than others, right? So many people in manufacturing jobs felt it more than everybody else. But now everybody's beginning to slowly feel that people are getting priced out of the real estate market. Food prices are now starting to go up. And, uh, and this is not, these are not temporary like phenomenons, right? And so, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you got to rethink how you invest uh, your money for the future. Yeah, that's pretty much it, y'all. If you want, if you got any questions specifically, hit me up on Twitter, ask underscore Philip. Uh, share this episode with as many people as you, um, as you think needs to hear it. The vast majority of, because here's one more thing uh, before I go. Most advisors are not even comfortable with, with this allocation. Right of most advisors aren't comfortable with crypto or Bitcoin. Most of them definitely are not comfortable with the new innovation stocks. You you actually have the reverse. You ha- you still have Jim Chanos and these people coming on, um, <laughs> you know, coming on CNBC talking about they're going to short Tesla. Right. I mean, these were the same people who like lost money uh, shorting Apple, Amazon, Google, Facebook for the last you know twenty years, and so. Uh, this is like a new paradigm shift and um, yeah you're going to be left behind if you don't get on board so uh, hit me with any questions hope you enjoy this share with some friends give me a review on apple podcast and uh, y'all enjoy your weekend thanks if you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals philip offers complimentary consults through his company stonehill wealth management For more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. That's StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. 
Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.